Welcome to the Every Thought Matters podcast. My name is Kelly Raymer, and I am the producer and host of this podcast. I'm also a mindset coach, Akashic Tarot reader, co-creator of the Every Thought Matters collective that is coming soon, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. Search Every Thought Matters with your favorite browser, and you'll find my site, information, and how to reach me. Add for the podcast, each episode's a conversation exploring origin stories, life, the universe, and various other topics. Enjoy this episode, and remember, every thought matters. This episode of the Every Thought Matters podcast features Lisbeth. Lisbeth reached out to me and asked if she could host my podcast and interview me, and I agreed. We finally got the recording done, and this is an amazing conversation between two people getting to know each other, and yet you get to know a little bit about me. So enjoy this podcast, and remember, I love you, and every thought matters. All right, so um, I'm Lisbeth Colley, and I'm doing the uh, interview today with Kelly Raymer. And um, I guess you want to introduce yourself and um, just give a little bit of uh, um, information about like where you're from and kind of like uh, where you started. Wonderful and. Thank you for uh, guest hosting this podcast of mine. I really appreciate this, and it's been looking forward to this for a long time. I my name is Kelly Bremer. I live in Texas, down on the coast, uh, in a little town called Brockport, which most people don't know. If they remember Hurricane Harvey in 2017, the eye of the storm came ashore in this little tiny little fishing town. So that's where I live. Uh, I've a little bit about myself. I'm 58 years old. I've had many jobs. I've had two careers. I've had a career in information technology for 25 years and a film career that include acting and producing for the better part of about 10 years. Wow. 10 years is a good amount of time. Very good amount of time for doing that kind of job. You must have um, learned a lot in that span of time about that specific niche. Yeah, I started out wanting to be an actor, and I realized I was not very good at that, to be honest. With you. I was good <laughs> at auditions, but I wasn't good when the red light turned on, for whatever reason. I don't know why, but I just... I remember specifically an audition I had for a short film for one of those... For those not in the film industry, they do these weekend film... Uh, contest and the producer guilds of america had this contest basically where they give you three things in a film and then you have to go write a script produce it and all that and i dush i auditioned for that role and i literally got thrown into a room in front of the director and one of his producers with somebody yeah. else cold read did not know had five minutes to read the script and had to work opposite somebody else for whatever reason at the end of that audition, they looked at us and said, y'all need to hug this out because we got so intense with each other. So I did. I nailed the audition. But then I had like one or two lines in the entire short film. And when that red light came on, I had my lines right in front of me and everything. And I still just went. <gasps> so I gravitated yeah, towards producing. So because of that, I knew I wasn't good at it. 
that had to have been nerve wracking just going into that. And was that your like original passion was to do acting? That was what you walked in expecting to, to go into. I had done acting in high school, two plays, four musicals. Ironically, I never got a singing part. So don't ask me to sing. Um, <laughs> Take but, that note. Right. And I loved it. And I turned out later in my, my computer career, which started in 88, I just, I got two tickets to the Omaha Community Playhouse, which is where I used to live because I thought that was a great way to get dates. And they would send these flyers out in the mail. This was long before the internet. And they had these acting classes. And I got bit by the bug then. Got married, put that on the table, moved to Houston all the way up in 2002 and started doing it again. And I started taking audition classes with several different coaches. Some I still con keep in contact with to this day. Even one I had on my podcast, to be honest with you. But so I just... was that like a bit of a shock going from a small town in Rockport? I've been there before, actually. My sister okay. lives there. And, and then going into somewhere so big like Houston. It was, but I. this is not where I grew up. I grew up in a little sleepy, small town in Iowa called Calendar, population of 425 back then. It's a little less now. Oh, wow. but... And landlocked, of course, so, so there was no water anywhere. Nearest water was Lake Okoboji, which is about an hour and a half away. So it was a shock because I went to Omaha to be closer to my family because I had a lot of relatives in Nebraska. And that was a shock. But then going to Houston and all of a sudden being in front of all these people. Yeah, it was a big culture shock for sure. Oh, I can only imagine. And I, I've been to Iowa before also. And that is a whole different society of, of individuals than what it is like in, you know, Texas. So um, that's, that's a whole different world to walk into. Um, so um, it's, it's very interesting that you've um, gone to these places, you know, and, and you've, you actually adapted pretty well, it seems like. Mm -hmm. I did. And I don't know how I, that goes back to my childhood because my coping mechanism for my parents' divorce when I was a kid was being nice to people and connecting to people, which is something I do very well to this okay. day. So it was my coping mechanism. So when I got to Houston, which is a big city and driving around, you know, with six lanes each way and all that stuff, I, and I adapted fairly well because no matter where you work, every workplace you have, whether it's being on set or being in, you know, a white collar job as a computer programmer, there's a bit of a family there. So I just made myself adaptable to whatever family was in front of me for my work career. And the family, I actually created what I call families outside of work as well. So going back to your career, um, who do you consider uh, the person that maybe was your mentor and uh, taught you kind of the, the tools of the trade? Which trade? Because I was um, a computer programmer uh, once. I was a filmmaker. I was an actor. And then I was a producer. And now I'm a mindset coach. 
tarot reader? I've got so many different types of mentors. I would say probably the one that was the largest influence on you. Hmm. Each of uh, there's, I have certain moments in time where I've talked to people and like this gentleman by the name of Carl Reif was a retired Air Force colonel that was a computer programmer. He was my boss. And he taught me a lot about being prepared and not always having a notebook on the side of your, on your bed, you know, nightstand. And I got lucky that I got to meet Marley Matlin once and really connect with her. And I don't know if you know who she is, but she won an Oscar for Children of a Lesser God opposite uh, Will William Hurt. And her story was powerful. I bought her book and met her at a speaking engagement in Houston. She was quite the, not a mentor, but somebody that I looked up to. And as a child, Helen Keller was my, my girl. Always. I, I remember specifically a film strip in the third or fourth grade where they showed a film about her. And if you don't know, she did so much. I mean, she invented Braille. She invented American Sign Language, all of that. Kind, and she was deaf and blind. And I was born partially deaf, so I was drawn to her because of her stories. She was probably one of the most influential ones as a child, but do I have a mentor right now? I really don't, which is interesting because I really should. Yeah, for sure. I think um, that throughout life, we we always have somebody that's kind of uh, that guidance that, that really helps us along. Um, uh it's it's a wonderful thing to to be able to constantly learn and not just from our own experiences but from others and um i think that's great that you have several that it made you stop for a second and and think because you you couldn't even think to choose one so mm -hmm. that's a beautiful thing that you had several um what do you think is the hardest challenge that you had to overcome in your life? My own self, to be honest with you. The to literally probably the toughest challenge that I have and it's ongoing is being a recovering people pleaser. It's an addiction like any other addiction. It's not a disease. I don't think like alcohol or substance abuse is, but it is it is a challenge for me because that was, like I said, that was my coping mechanism. I knew how to talk to people. I knew how to make people feel comfortable. I have people that are on my podcast that think my voice is calming to them. I've had that said to me so many times and I don't quite understand it, but I also know that I'm learning how to not people please better. And that's to me, the toughest challenge I have. There's no, everything else is easy compared to that. So when did you kind of pinpoint that is like, this is not just a quality that I have, but it's something that's starting to interfere with my life. I knew I was a people pleaser for a long time, but I didn't quite understand what it was until I saw a video by Dr. Venus Nicolino, 
who I think I butchered her name, but Nicolina, I think it, I can't remember. She goes by Dr. V. She has a reality TV series that helps married couples figure things out. I mean, it's obviously it's reality, so it's unscripted TV, but it's scripted. Um, she did a video that I still reference that I send a lot of people to is about people pleasing, where truthfully people pleasing is manipulating somebody else to to like you. It's manipulation. We all have these, everybody is talking about narcissists and all this other stuff, and they're bad, and I get it. Trust me, I've been around them. But people pleasing also is manipulation. It's just knowing my boundaries and knowing where I exist, where you exist. And if you, it's not a mean thing to say, if you don't like me, I'm okay. It's just, this is where I start, and this is where you begin. And people pleasing is, I remember that video, but, and it changed how I viewed myself, but I've been on a self journey probably since the mid eighties when I had a relationship with this woman and I described it to my mother. And that was at the height of somebody by the name of Melanie Beatty who wrote a uh, codependent no more. And I learned about my codependency. So that's kind of was the start of it. And this is, person you're talking to today is the evolution of that so i guess you could say that you kind of had a people addiction of sorts yes absolutely absolutely i i did and i still do because this is my drug of choice is talking to people on my podcast or coaching people or connecting people i truly i love it but i also know i have to know where my boundaries are and set those boundaries properly to make sure that I don't fall into those codependent trap or the people pleasing trap. And I think that, that it can be a beautiful gift that we can learn to give to others. You know, if we learn how to like hone it in, you know, and how to, how to manage it. So it mm -hmm. seems like at one point you, you were kind of um, in an unmanageable place and now you're at a place to where you're more manageable and you're using it more as the gift that it is. I agree. It is more manageable now. Still like, and it's, I don't do comparison because comparison is a thief of joy. So I don't compare it to any other addiction. I just know what I have. And I know every day it's a challenge. Some days are easier. Some I days are not. So um, what do you consider your favorite um, hobbies and pastimes. What are you doing when you're not doing this? For me, the podcast is one of my hobbies because I, literally, I kid you not, let's see, I I pay for a Zoom subscription so my podcast can go whatever length it can. I pay for Canva and I pay for a thing to host it. So I'm paying to do this, but it's still a hobby for me. This is fun. But I also love to write and playing around with the TV show because now I'm doing those kind of entertainment kind of things because they're fun, not because I want somebody to see me. That's when you're a people pleaser, you're actually looking kind of for attention. To be honest with you, I used to joke that I was an attention hoe. Literally, <laughs> I kid you not. So I write now for fun. And I've done a lot of homework too. I've watched a ton of 
television shows to see what works and what doesn't work. Because if you're going to write a TV show, you've got to know what works, what doesn't work. So from, from that, what do you consider to be your current goals? Fair question. Well, I'm working on pivoting my coaching business. And to be honest with you, I will be less of a coach, more of a connector and idea generator. That's also one of my gifts. Uh, that's my goal there. Because, and that's my plan A, literally. That literally is my plan A, is pivoting this coaching business, my tarot reading and all of that. That's my plan A. I don't have a plan B after that. I don't. I just, I have a survival job like everybody else. And ultimately, I will dwindle that down because I still enjoy it, but I'll dwindle that down to a manageable size to where my coaching and everything that I want to do with that, that's my goal, is to really bring light workers together and unify us. So I think you mentioned a few books earlier, um, or like uh, maybe, um, I think it was Helen Keller, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, of course. So what books do you think have changed your life the most? Oh, that's easy. That's the easiest question you've asked me so far. And because there's one book that I've, I read once a year, maybe. It's called Illusions, the uh, Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah by Richard Bach. It was written in 1977. It's a great book. And I learned from it. People use memes from Richard, from quotes from that book all the time. Like my favorite quote, probably of all time, is there's no such thing as a problem without a gift for you in its hands. We seek problems because we need their gifts. That's from that book. And it's a playful book. I love that book. It's just, there's this guy, and back in the 70s, they would, you could go up on a two-seat plane and get a ride for like five bucks or whatever. So this guy's flying around, and then he run into somebody else who used to be a messiah, and now that's all he, he flies planes with him. So they fly around, and they do these little barnstorming tours in the Midwest, and he learns about life, and learns about life through the lens of a messiah who's actually flying planes because he doesn't want to be a messiah anymore. It's a really great book, but it's fun. It's playful, educational. And it also, you feel good after reading it. And it's not hard to read. Sounds like it's highly influential to lots of people. If they uh, created memes and things from it, I mean, uh, despite the, uh, the, the funnies, that has to be, some sort of large influence if it's becoming big enough that they are making memes off of it. Well, it's been around since 77. What's that? 46 years, give or take. Yeah. Gosh, time flies. (laughs) And you just Google Richard Bach quotes. You'll get a whole, you'll get about a hundred of them at least. And he's got, he had another one called something about Jonathan Siegel or something like that was written in 68 because he used to fly planes or whatever. So he kind of uses aerodynamics and flying as a metaphor to tell a story. Interesting. So have you read any of his other books or, or has he written any yeah, other just books? Just those two. 
those two books are really influential to me. That the Four Agreements is extremely influential to me. And I remember starting learning about the law of attraction with this book. And I can't remember the author's name, but write it down, make it happen. It's a very good book. <laughs> Definitely send me the link later. Yeah. Well, I'll plug it because I have the links on my uh, website. I have a, some affiliate links on my website for these oh, books. Nice. So there's a lot of them. Live your life like it depends on it is another one. That's such a great book. I learned when I was in IT in 2014, on May 20th, 2014, I got summoned into HR's office, the HR's office. And I'll give you a little backstory to this, but as a computer programmer, I supported HR, all the the software they use, which is something called PeopleSoft. So I supported it. So I knew my HR community. I knew everybody from, you know, the director of HR, literally actually to the CEO of the company, but I knew all of them. So when they called me into that, their office, I'm like, what's going on? I had a sense that something was up and they let me go. Gave me a severance package, all of that. And so I'm sitting here going, what? So I read that book. I live your life like it depends on it. And it started my meditation and journaling practice, right? That June of 2014 is when I really started getting the meditation and journaling. I had time. I didn't have to go to work. I had plenty of money in the bank. And I just started that. That's very, very It's a beautiful thing when we can learn something or read something and um, we go through life and it's, it's that thing that's in the back of our minds that just stays there and stays as a constant. And um, that seems like that's your, that's your constant there. Yeah. For whatever reason, for some people, I can remember certain moments in life and what that conversation was. I can't remember. I'm a mo an emotional listener. I am not a detailed listener. So like what you're saying, I'm, I'm listening to the emotion of what you're saying, even though I'm responding. But for some people, I can remember who I started following. I, you know, on social media, and I can tell you the reason why. Or I'll hear a song and it'll make me think of a follower I've had for 10 years or and so on i i'm able to recall some of that even though some days i can't remember who i work for you know <laughs> so you hold a lot of space for um people that you find intriguing and, and interesting and, and um friends and um things that you've learned about people um and that's i think that's a really neat thing i mean there's a lot of people that are out there that um they don't hold that space you know they're too busy holding space for other things so um I that's, hold that's space a good thing to people. hold space for and yes. our consciousness is unlimited the pineal gland has been thought to be the spot where connection to our soul lives but our soul connection is to the consciousness of the world which is an unlimited thing so for me to hold space i got an unlimited amount of space to hold because i remember when i met you on tiktok and you started peppering me with question i'm like i need this person on my <laughs> podcast i knew 
you were you were doing the yeah. same thing you're doing now except the recording button wasn't going and that was great and it was kimberly's live and who's been on my podcast twice the only uh person that's been on my podcast twice and this will be my 45th episode or 46th episode so goodness i remember yeah i remember um i remember you were wanting to ask me questions and I switched it around on you and I started asking you questions and you're like, I'm not used to this. <laughs> no, but I enjoy it personally because uh, it helps me get my story told. So I like that. I, But we're all mirrors to each other emotionally. And I just, when you, my grandmother worked for a department store in outstate Nebraska, called Kimball, I think is what was the name of it. And she was an extra job. My mother grew up on a farm, so and a Catholic family, so she had an extra job other than being a, a farm wife. She also took a job at a five and dime, like Woolworths or whatever. And my mother would meet with her after school and she would trailer her around and she told my mother, and I paraphrase, you talk to somebody long enough, you'll find something in common. And I been doing that ever since huh. so about your story what is maybe what are maybe three things that are part of your story that you would like people to know about your life I've done, I've lived 58 years and I'm very blessed that I've made it this far, to be honest with you. I am not identified with things. I'm identified with, probably one thing is I'm an emotional listener is one of my biggest things and I'm starting to just figure this out about people in general, whether it's work, whether it's on the podcast or it's on a TikTok live or on on Instagram or chatting with somebody on Facebook. I'm an emotional listener. That's one thing I want people to really understand because I have a gift that I can channel spirit pretty much almost any time. That's another thing I'd love for people to know about because I'm a tarot reader and I'm just barely tipping the iceberg on that. And then I don't, I'm not identified by I could go down that path, but I was born partially deaf. I have glaucoma. Sometimes I get circulation issues in my right leg or I'm tall, I'm skinny, whatever. I don't identify myself by that. I identify myself by how I treat people. And I'm learning to do that well because I treat people well, but I'm learning how to treat myself well. That was a tough Self-care question. Self-care is very important. Self-care yeah. is, is probably, you can't uh, take care of others without taking care of yourself first. You know, um, it's like that thing when you're uh, up in an airplane and uh, you have to take, you have to take care of yourself before you can actually save others. Um, so, you know, that's, that's good that you're learning that and that you, you're starting to treat yourself. Um, and those are, those are great things great qualities all all of those things and um, i'll add to self-care adulting is self-care when you have to pay your bills 
pay your rent, yeah. pay your electricity. That's self-care. That's taking care of you and your environment. And that's take people, you know, think self-care and they go woo woo, you know, meditation, journaling and taking a walk in the park and, you know, stop to smell the roses, but paying your electrical bill, paying your rent, paying your cable bill or me paying for this podcast, that's self-care. Absolutely. What is your, um, I guess, your accomplishment that you are most proud of in your life? Being here today is probably my most proudest accomplishment. Like in, in general, because I've had so many vast different careers, like my computer programming career, I lasted 25 years. And the reason why I think that's a great accomplishment is in 1987, I worked for a bank called First National Bank of Omaha, and they started this internal development program to develop computer programmers because they were scarce at the time. And I had to go through a series of interviews all the way up to the director of IT to get interviewed to see whether or not I would be good for that class. I don't remember the interviews. I do remember the director of IT. He was a very intimidated former full board colonel in the U.S. Air Force. So that wasn't, and I didn't think I was going to get in, but I got in. A year and a half later, I had a job, and I was not the best student in the class. We had a valedictorian that got A's in every class. I lasted 25 oh. years. The valedictorian lasted one year. That's a heck of an accomplishment. That is, that is a great amount of time. 25 years is, that's been basically half of your life. <laughs> that's a, yeah. that's a great achievement on its own. Heck, of, I love that achievement. And I miss coding, but I don't miss the corporate world. And the other great accomplishment, I had a movie when I first moved to L.A., I sold my house in Houston. Like I said, I had this golden parachute from the company I was working for. And I, I threw down a bit of cash for this short seven and a half minute film that when I read the script, probably a year before getting to LA, I cried. And it was a seven and a half minute film. So for those of you who don't know, one page of script is one minute of film basically. So it's about eight to 10 page script. And it, I cried. And I wow. put my own money into that film. And we went on the film festival circuit and won 20 to 25 different kinds of awards. I've accepted awards for that film numerous times. Wow. Yeah. That's exceptional. And yeah. So that's my second accomplishment. And my third accomplishment a, is besides being here is Literally owning the fact that I have a connection, a connection to the divine, to the spirit, whatever you want to call it. I have that. And knowing that now just makes me excited. That's a heck of an accomplishment to, to own that. Because I, I can pull out an Akashic deck and do a reading and they'll be like spot on. And I have a friend of mine that's doing some work on creating a retreat and whatever. And so she's really spiritually 
very aware of what your birth chart looks like and you know the this house and that house and all that other stuff that a lot of people in that world know and i gave her a reading and she's like oh my god i was just thinking about that specific thing and it came out of the reading and i'm like yeah i just saw this card wow. i'm like i gotta tell you she she's got a reader she's got all these people in her in her divine journey and my reading was like i saw that card i'm like i i had to keep it out so what got you started with tarot <laughs> that's the funny part my former life coach literally before i moved to la i i had a moment in time where i was writing goals every year and i was not doing crap and i'm like okay i need a life coach i googled one and went coaching and whatever and one year she gave me this akashic tarot deck a Christmas gift, and I let it sit for six months, and I thought, I was on TikTok finally, and I'm like, okay, let's do a tarot reading, let's see what happens, and I did a few free readings on on TikTok, and all of a sudden, people are like, wow, that is spot on, and I'm just, I'm still learning the craft, and how to channel, and how to read the Akashic Records, and such, it was a gift, it was, in it's a seriously, it's a, it's a lot to learn. It's definitely a lot to learn. Um, even having the gift, it's uh, it's still so much information. So much information. Yeah, and I have to learn how to hone it to create proper boundaries for it because there's some emotion tied to it because, you know, and it's, the Akashic is different than the other kind of tarot, which is like the Nine of Pentacles, the Six of Wands and all that stuff. It's not that. Right. It's Akashic driven which is the records of all time and huh. throughout all time and space, literally. So it's a different way of looking at your soul's journey because in my personal opinion, your soul has been there from the beginning when all of this was created, however it was created, your soul was created. And it's now in this iteration of me, Kelly Raymer, and this human being and my soul chose me at birth. Like this is the, I need to go with this human. So, and it's kind of like, it's a wonderful life where he's got his uh, guarding angel who's trying to earn its wings. And I can't remember the, I watch that movie every year and I cry every time. But so, it's, but yeah, it's like I've, I've got a few of those myself. <laughs> There's some of those that are just, I guess, tear jerkers that they, they get you every single time, no matter how many times that you watch it. Um, so yeah. mentioning 25 years earlier, um, mm -hmm. if you could go back 25 years and tell yourself anything, that would be a solid piece of advice. What would that advice be? It's all going to work out. I tell my eight-year-old self that all the time. All the time. Like, I had a moment when I moved here in 2019, and this is a piece that I'm really proud of, too. 2019, I had to rent a car, and I moved from L.A. to here, Rockport. I've never lived here before. 
I had one friend here, my former life coach. And I rented a van and packed it up in Glendale, which is a suburb of L.A. Ironically, one of my friends that helped me was literally on the TV show Breaking Bad. He's the one to help pack my van. It always makes me, I, I still revel in that fact. So, packed that van, my sister paid for it, and I moved here, and just down the road for me is a Motel 6. I stayed there the night before. The next morning, I did not have a job. I didn't have a place to stay. I called a number. The landlord came, picked me up, took me here, drove me back over to his place to sign the lease, and I've been here ever since. And I got a job at Walmart about a month later because the HR person at Walmart was in a trailer next to mine. And I just happened to start talking to her. And she's like, yeah, go fill out an application online. You have you know, cable, right, and internet. I'm like, yep. So I did. And I'm leading this story to my eight-year-old self because I didn't have a car. I had to take that van back to Houston and then get a ride back here which is three hours away, to George Bush International, which is on the northern end of Houston. And I rode a bike back and forth to work at Walmart. And I'd ride by this little field. And one day I saw my eight-year-old self there playing. And that's when I started talking to him, telling him it's going to be okay. So 25 or, what is it, 50 years ago. God, that's 50 years. Wow. Yeah. 50 years. It's they hard to imagine. Once a century. Yeah. As I look at it him now, like I have a, yesterday. It, 50 years doesn't feel like yesterday. It feels like a different entire timeline, to be honest with you. It's, it's just because you've come, you know, leaps and bounds since that time period. You know, it's... Um, a lot of evolution of character so much evolution of character within um how many years that you've lived life and what all experiences that you've experienced you know that that's so many different evolutions of character um there's so many milestones there that i'm sure that um you've achieved like uh, your accomplishments that you're very proud of and um struggles like you've mentioned um what would you say is probably the most embarrassing moment of your life? Huh. That's funny. I don't know. I'm such a people pleaser and such a, I, most of my life have been worried about what people think about me. So I know like, two instances but and I don't know that's a fascinating I have what I okay not because of what people think about me but I just think about this and there's those things I don't there's certain subjects I don't talk about and I have two embarrassing right. ones there so but outside of that I'm trying to think of what's well I remember one time at work as a computer programmer, we were on call, and I put a brand new piece of code in, and it, we rolled it out to production, and I missed one line of code, and it crashed production. 
that night. I was really embarrassed by that. Like, and by crashing it, like, they would, back in the day, I worked for First National Bank of Omaha, and they would process credit card payments for merchants, and that would get sent to Visa or MasterCard, or Diners Club, or American Express, and whatever else was going on back then. And it was the MasterCard feed, because they would grab all those transactions from all of our merchants, and then batch them up and put them in MasterCard's format, and there was a piece of code. Stopped it. And I was the one that did it. I felt so... Yeah, you had to have been just like your your whole entire being had to have just dropped. <laughs> that's what well, it uh, did. That's so hard. It, it, that's you know, that's a difficult a work situation. One. I get embarrassed anytime I get, you know, like stuff like that with work. And I'm trying to think of a personal life embarrassment one. Just let me sit on that and go to your next whatever question you want to talk about, and I'll come back to it because I'm sure okay. it's going to come up. That's just how it works. Yeah, it's it's just interesting. Um, I've asked a few people um, that question, and it's it's kind of fun to and uh, interesting to hear what people have to say. Uh, there's some really funny ones out there, you know. Um, and uh, I guess it's we learn from those embarrassing moments too, you know. We really do, and um, that's the beauty of it all, truly. Yeah. I, um so have you else? been married or yes i was your... married for i was married for just short of seven years with her for about eight and that was 95 to 2002 and i don't regret it at all she taught me a lot about myself and honestly to this i don't know where she is or how she's doing because we didn't have any kids. So, but I learned a lot about myself through that marriage. Like one of the biggest lessons I learned through marriage was learning to let women vent. They don't want us to solve their problems. They want someone, they want to be heard. That's it. They want you to solve the problem. They'll tell you, they'll, they'll ask specifically for your advice. They usually it's like, so-and-so at work, blah, blah, blah. And all they want is they know that you're going to be there. You're going to be strong for them. They're just going to get that crap out. And then if they need your help solving it, they'll ask. That's a 90-10 rule for me. I learned that from her. That's a pretty big one. <laughs> that's That takes some people lifetimes to learn. And uh, I think that's pretty um, – that is – pretty streamlined for for most of us is uh, a lot of us do we we really do like to vent and um we don't always want the answers that's for sure and that's okay that's what a relationship is is listening to somebody and hearing them because you want to feel seen to when you're in a relationship like that where you're in love with somebody you want to be feel feel like you're seen to your soul and venting is a way of them feeling seen. So what is your, um, I guess, do you have brothers? Do you have sisters? Um, any siblings? Interesting. Uh, when I was eight, my parents got divorced and my father got the kids, 
and mom moved back to Nebraska. I have four older brothers, an older sister, younger half-sister, who my mother was pregnant with during what basically led to the divorce. And then my dad remarried, and she had two boys and a girl. So we were nine people in one house, and we were called apparently behind our backs the Brady Bunch in the Brady Bunch years. Because that was 72 when that divorce happened. So four older brothers, older sister, younger half-sister, then two stepbrothers and a stepsister. That's a, that is a lot of, uh, as a lot of like brothers and sisters to, uh, be in one household. Did you guys live in a big house or was it a smaller house or, um, yeah, in our little tiny town of calendar back in the late 19th century, they would build, they were steam trains back then, steam locomotives that would move grain and food and, and livestock from one place to another but they're steam trains so they needed water pretty much every six miles so you look at the map in Iowa and Nebraska those smaller farming states you'll see towns about every six miles and I grew up in one of those in the house that we had my grandparents on my mother's side bought from my father and my mom and it was built around the turn of the 20th century so around uh, 1900, something like that. And it was an apartment building. So there were three bedrooms up top and there was a bedroom downstairs and a front porch. So it was lit and it had even on the backside by the driveway had steps going up to the apartment on the top floor. So we had plenty of room, but we had bunk beds and two sets of bunk beds in one room with four of us and the girl, she had her own room and the other older boys got the other room i think it's all well, that's blur. a kid's favorite thing is bunk beds that's that's always this that's fine for them <laughs> yeah i never got the top bunk but yeah we did have bunk beds and you know it, it wasn't easy so because it's nine people and they were put together in a blended family back when that phrase was not even a word or even a thought but this is 72 in a catholic family with divorce and then he's remarrying somebody from a neighboring town with two kids three kids so and putting all of them various age ranges we had somebody almost in every grade on that in that house wow. do you still keep in contact with all of them or is there just certain ones that you keep in contact with ironically i'm closest to my younger half sister more than the others my older i mean i keep in contact with all of them but and the stepbrothers i don't and my stepsister i think passed away two or three years ago i don't know i don't keep in contact with them at all that i know of but my brothers and sisters of course yeah we text each other or something if, if mom's sick so i'm still lucky because my mom is 89 and still still going I'm sorry about your sister. Um, that's wonderful that uh, your mom is still alive and doing well. Um, yeah. Is is that a close relationship with you and your mother? Well, I didn't grow up with her, so it's really not to be. It we're really. 
Growing up, we were not that close, but I was, because the divorce, you know, changed that, which, you know, affected me, of course. And, but we're closer now, like we, she does voice to text now, and she texts me like when we're, we talk golf a lot, right? And, you know, life and other stuff too, but we, well, she'll text me on a Saturday and she's like, did you see so-and-so shoot 64? Like, no, really? Wow. You know, that's that's our connection now, which is kind of cool. It's neat that she just holds up her phone and does voice to text and sends me stuff. Neat. So what about your father? He passed away on the 9th of June of 2000. Oh my, I'm sorry. What was, um, what was your relationship with him? He's my, was my best friend growing up, literally, and he was tough on me. And, like, some of the idiotisms, the little things that he, he always made me sign my, uh, any checks I had with the, with my middle initial. He's, because he said, Kelly, there might be somebody out there with your same name. You want to be able to differentiate your name from theirs. Or smart. You said no matter no matter how good you are, there's always somebody better than you. I said, oh. I can remember that one cleaning a bank in my little town. He got me a job just dusting and cleaning in the bank. It was right across the alleyway from my house. And I remember him telling me that thing, that exact thing. He said, No matter how good you think you are, there's always somebody better. And I've always thought about that in terms of Michael Jordan. But. So how did his passing affect you? Oh, it crushed me. Probably the toughest moments in my life I've had were his passing, my divorce. No matter... Our divorce was amicable and I initiated it, but there's just one of the worst feelings in my life is seeing her walk away with the last of her stuff crying. Just you never want that for anybody. I don't care if you don't want to be friends with them or whatever. Just that was the one of the worst feelings and I've had I've been blessed with very long lives for pets and I've had two cats and a dog since my divorce and they've all gone over the rainbow bridge those were the hardest things i've ever done and Pets the are father hard. yeah but because of tiktok the success story about my father is it's, he's sitting here watching this uh he's on the other side now and i can connect with him so i've rekindled a relationship with someone that was my mentor growing up that's still around. I just, I feel so blessed because of it. So what are some conversations that you have? Uh, I have a friend on TikTok who's a medium, a very good medium, and I talk to him through him, the medium, because typically you can't channel your own relatives. So he has said so many wonderful things so too many to count but he's you know he even as a kid he was proud of me that was the one thing that i had that i was so blessed with and 
we all have a subconscious. And that subconscious is our programming and it's actually how we do stuff and what we're doing, and the choices we make. And you can choose. My parents' divorce was very, very contested. It was ugly. It was like, that's all I know. I don't, all I know is hearsay because I don't remember it. But I have gotten to the point where I've rewritten that story because that was the best thing to happen because I'm so glad they got divorced because it, that would, my childhood would have been a lot different had those two people who hated each other been together another minute, to be honest with you, which is great. So it, I'm so glad. It sounds like a lot of your misfortunes um, have really, you've come to understand are blessings in disguise in your life. Absolutely. And you can reprogram those things. You can, like, I don't have a specific memory of my parents tucking me in. But who's to say that didn't happen? So I just, you can train your subconscious to go to that place of your mom and your dad tucking you in when they loved each other. You know, like Ward and June Cleaver on Leave it to Beaver. That kind of, you know, why not create that in your mind? Who's to say it didn't happen? Nobody could prove that it didn't happen. Nobody could prove it that it happened. So why not use your subconscious to create good memories for yourself if you don't have a memory there? Why not? That's the evolution of me. Well, for me, so, yeah, it's a great concept. So what is your... I guess um, probably a few of your biggest philosophies that you live by. Well, the four agreements. You don't know them? Do you know the four agreements? I don't. Uh, Don Miguel Ruiz wrote a book called The Four Agreements. and I have a story for that one, too. And I remember specifically where I was when I picked up that book. I was visiting my friend who's a pro beach volleyball player in uh, Los Angeles, crashing on her couch for a night. And she had the four agreements on sticky notes on her mirror in the bathroom. And I asked her about it that night before I went to bed. And I remember specifically exactly where I was. It was a corner couch. So it was just an L-safe couch. It was about 9.13 p.m. I remember 9-13, and I remember it was April 11th, because the next day, April 12th, is my father's birthday. And I remember 9-13 p.m. for whatever reason. And I felt the entire universe being channeled into my soul in the middle of reading that. It was... I. There's a lady by the name of Gordana Birnack. I'm going to go on a tangent, but one of, she's one of my favorite people in the entire world. She talked about being a, a young child where she thought she started visualizing what the edge of the universe looked like. And that day when I was sitting on that couch, I felt that. I felt what she was thinking. And that was reading the four agreements, which are about some Toltec wisdom, which is kind of down where the Mayans are, but a different type of tribe. And they have, you know, always do your best, be impeccable with your word. Don't make assumptions and 
Always do your best. Be impeccable with your word. Don't make assumptions and don't take anything personally. Those four things are my, wow. that's my bedrock. Best book. Those are hard ones. <laughs> right. Uh, like you're asking me tough questions and I can, I'm not taking them personally. I'm actually truly enjoying it. So I don't take it personally. And I don't make assumptions about what your motive for asking that question is. I don't, I'm impeccable by word to sell you the truth as I see it, you know. So that's a big one. And I, the other philosophy I believe is that we all have God within us, that divine. I think as a collective, as 7 billion souls on this planet, that collection of souls is that one God. That's one of my biggest philosophies. Because there, it's been proven oh, that beautiful. there are neurons firing in your heart. The same neurons that are in your head, they're in your heart too. Which is why you get that love. Love is our true neuropathic response. I had this guy on my podcast who talked about that. So those things. So what is your? Those, um, go ahead. Going going on love. Um, what is your? Uh, have you? been in the the dating realm recently which is scary don't don't uh, get me wrong <laughs> it's a very scary world out there in the dating pool these days but um how's how's that been for you if you if you have been going down that road you know in the um in the realm of love well in the realm of love it's self-love first fill your own cup and i always you know i did a video a while back, there was that guy that's like, go to the, you know, it's my podcast, but go to the fucking gym. Go to the fucking gym. And he spits out water. That one, you remember that one? Big beefy guy, you know, five foot eight, lots of muscles. Go to the fucking gym. And I'm oh, like, yeah. go to the mental gym. Go to the mental gym. Mine didn't blow up, but still, that's, you got to go to the mental gym for yourself. And I'm not perfect at it. Trust me, I'm not. Everybody thinks I'm like, I uplift people because by uplifting others, I uplift myself and I create a higher level of consciousness for myself. But I have to, I also do for myself. And the only thing I'm going to correct you with is if you think the dating world is scary, then it's going to be scary. Those are your thoughts. Your words okay. are spells you put on yourself. That said, I'm not really in the dating world right now. So I'm a big flirt. So that's, I've always been that way. I've never not been a big flirt. It's just who I am. And I'm starting to just own that and not, you know, some people have to take the four agreements personally and not take my flirting personally, you know, and I have to take their response, not personally either, but I am, I'm a big flirt. So, but I don't, I'm not dating right now. I don't, again, my perception, I got to change my thoughts about the dating pool here in a tiny little blue collar fishing town. The dating pool, yes. I haven't seen it. It's really non-existent for people of my spiritual awareness, but coupled with the fact that I have a lifelong sports fan, I've got a book in the editing phase about that. Um, I honest to God love television. I almost like movies less than television. I just, I've got like five different foreign language TV shows that I'm running, binging on Netflix right now. Foreign language ones, wow. not English. 
Oh, I've watched a ton of them. I could have an entire podcast about that. I really could. I could probably start a whole new one, but uh, that's a lot of work. So, um, gosh, I had a question there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, we started about love. You were enjoying. You were basically enjoying life as it is at this time. And just going with the flow of how things are and what you've built and what you're trying to build and working on yourself and um, working on that self-love. That that seems to be pretty um, admirable things to be doing right now. Um, That's a good level of serenity. It's as best as I can be, and it's not, trust me, it's not perfect, because I'm like pretty much anybody else. I honestly get lonely. Um, I am driven. Sometimes I get mad at myself for not being productive. Like earlier today, I was mad at myself for not getting more done today. I got a lot done yesterday, but, you know, so I still am tough on myself. I, do I journal and meditate every day? No, I don't. I'm, I've actually been slacking lately. But the flip side to that is, is I give myself huge kudos because I never used to floss. Like, that's a big deal. You, your dental diseases can actually manifest in other places in your body. And I don't know why, but I just started this year just being very diligent about flossing. Like, I bought a lot of floss this year and I'm proud of that. So I've added good habits to my life, but I'm not perfect by any means. I I get lonely. I I get lonely for a woman's companionship. I really do, but I'm not going to go out and date just for that. I I date for the long term. I don't date for the short term. That said, I haven't been on a date in I don't know how long. And I finally just got a car. So, there's that that's amazing um what is something that i guess you want the whole world to know about i guess everything about you as like your career your your love life your family your um I guess, like your your values, uh, everything. What is the one thing that you could just like, if, with the attention of the world, um, what would that be? A hard time narrowing it down to one thing, but... I, I've learned to forgive myself and I've learned one thing about myself is that I've learned to forgive myself. That's ongoing. I could tell you stories about things where I'm still working on forgiveness or so. Sure. Because like, like when I moved to LA, I had $150,000 in my bank account. I left LA bankrupt and broke. And I'm learning how to forgive myself for that because now, again, 
I go back to your mindset and go back to the stories you tell yourself. You are the protagonist in your own damn story. Write that damn script. Most people don't know, but a script is current world, new world. There's at the end of the second act is either, you know, an all is lost moment where you don't know whether, how your protagonist is going to get. And then it's either, you know, a beautiful ending or a tragedy. You're that person in that protagonist thing. And I have to learn to forgive myself in the middle of that journey in L.A. because now I'm rechanging how I see the protagonist in my script is that I may monetarily, yeah, screwed up. But so, man, my soul got so enriched by that time. It's ridiculous how many things I learned about myself moving to L.A. I still get pangs of guilt when I watch TV shows that are set in L.A. because I'm like, I know that road. I know that road. I know where they're reading, you know, <laughs> or they mentioned a, a restaurant that I loved, you know. So I'm still working on that forgiveness, but that's part of it. That's one thing I want people to know that I forgive myself. If I could walk up to anybody else, no matter what, I'm learning to forgive myself. You know, and those hard times are always the times that we learn the most. Um, you, in those rock bottom times and those times when we just, even when we put ourselves in those situations, those are such great learning experiences. And, you know, that helps us grow and go to the next step. Um, so I think that it's not necessarily a bad thing, those things that happened. Um, I think that that's what made you who you are right now and where you are right now. It's the philosophy of everything happens for you, not to you. So you asked me, you know, what, go back 25 years, what would you say? It's going to be okay. And I'm here to tell you, I live here in Rockport. I don't, it's funny because I live here and I did a TikTok video on my Sunday going to work. And it blew up. It's got like 63,000 views. I know it's not a million or whatever, but and it's just, I live in Rockport. I pay seven fifty a month. I've got some stray cats that I feed every day, and I love my life. And that thing just blew up. And I don't, less is more. I don't have a lot of stuff. I don't have a TV. I watch TV on the computer I'm recording this podcast on. Literally. I have a, Sometimes keeping it simple is, is bliss, you know? Amen. You don't need a lot of stuff. I have everything I need here. So, Even my furniture is not mine. And there's a beautiful beach. Yeah. That beach so, is like right there. I've, I've been there. It's, it's so gorgeous yeah. over there. The water, I was there last week. The water is stupidly clear. Which... Living in Houston, we would go to Galveston or a lot or Surfside uh, Beach, and the water was never that clear. Here, it's clear. Now, if you go down farther, you go, you know, it gets a little bit clearer, a little bit, you know, the emerald stuff that you see on videos and stuff. But here, it's pretty clear. Have you ever been to uh, Mustang Island that's over there? No, I have not been to Mustang Island. 
Yeah, there's. I haven't, and I've heard of it because I. Unfortunately, my brain's not remembering the name of the. There's another island that used to be really popular that I went out and bought these books. Written by a ghost, written by an author that basically, or a couple books about this area, but set say in the fifties and the sixties. It's fictional, but using the bay here by Corpus Christi as its focal point, its surrounding. And one of them's I can't think of the name of the island. It's something island, but it, I can't remember what it's called. But it's no longer nobody ferries to it anymore. Mustang Island, I do believe people do ferry to that. Yeah, yeah, you get uh, base basically um, you go on the ferry and then you're there, and it's it's such a beautiful area. It's got like the the beautiful sand and the, the beautiful yeah. water and kind of like that picturesque type mm -hmm. of um, scenery. Um, it's it's really really fun and it's it's beautiful. Um, anytime I go there, that's where we go at least once and. Um, yeah, it's it's a beautiful part of that area for sure. Absolutely. Have you found anywhere in um, Rockport or around Rockport that is kind of your favorite place to go? Well, it's that beach right there in Rockport. Just, just past the McDonald's, there's a little beach. I go there. That's where I go. It's very serene. I've done TikTok lives from there even. It's just, I, when I had a bike, I would ride my bike down there four miles one way, you know, and four miles back. But it's a decent bike ride. <laughs> yeah. And it always depends on whether it's flat. So it's good. So it depends on the headwinds and tailwinds and what time of year it is too. Um, I know there's a, uh, time when it gets really touristy in the summertime <laughs> and uh, spring break it gets really busy around there um, it does it's it's wild how busy it gets and uh, such a small town and that people congregate there um it's it's very wild but it's very interesting at the same time yeah they uh after Walmart, I was a barista for a while. Now I'm a prep cook at a place called Pop's Tavern in Lamar, which is about six or seven miles from here. But when I was a barista, I was right down. The coffee shop was right by the beach. Literally, I could almost walk there. And it was just like, wow. Didn't, the people that would come in there during those times, it was wild. They, from all, from as far north as, Michigan, you know, even Canada, they would be there. And a lot of them owned houses or they would rent Airbnbs. And it was just, when you're a barista, you get to talk to people. You know, now that I work at a tavern in the kitchen, I don't get to talk to people. I have to make food. But still, the stories and the people were always fascinating to me. I met so many interesting people. It's it's a lot of different types of people and from different places for sure. I've, I've definitely seen that. I mean, it's, you can hardly get in anywhere or get anywhere when it's around that time of year for sure. Um, and then it just, once it kind of fizzles out and spring break is over, it gets to be that quiet, serene atmosphere again, that it is in that town. 
we still get Memorial Day and Labor Day weekend coming up. We'll be really, really busy. And then starting in October, the winter Texans come down. Yep, yep. They come down the state for the winter. There's some people all the way from uh, Alberta, Canada to come down here. Wow. Yep, from Calgary. So there's, kinda... there's neighbors of one of my friends that are from Calgary. They have a house down here. So they're from so, everywhere. It's cool. How can people support you and what you do? Well, that's where, like, I'm working on pivoting my coaching to create a, what I call a collective of light workers, and they, and I do have tarot readings, and you can book a tarot reading on my website and all of that. I haven't done a good job of promoting that, mind you, because I'm working on all of the marketing part of that right now just to figure out how to do that, and that's how people can support me. And I'm a good coach. Uh, I. Work. I have a client right now that I'm working with that it's been so much fun. So I can't can't wait for the world to see this person and who, what they can do and their journey. And it's going to be exciting. But they could support me through Tarot Rings or just come on TikTok Live and just say hi. I you'd be surprised at the number of people that go, "Wow!" I I get so many positive comments, and I'm. I never try to be a false image of myself, but I also try to uplift people because at the end of the yes, day, we want that usually, connection. It's usually pretty calm and, and pretty calm and inviting in, in your lives whenever I've been in there. Um, very just um, chill, I guess you could say. Yeah, I have a friend that's over in Sweden. Um, she's like, yeah. She, she was the first to tell me that your voice just calms me. So whenever I always give her a reading and she'd be like, yeah, that's really calming. Okay. Just being me. And sometimes like, even I'll listen to this podcast afterwards because I got to edit it and all that. And I sometimes think about how my voice sounds. And I think being partially deaf, I'm surprised that I don't sound funny because I don't, but I, I hear little bits of it sometimes, but I don't, I don't see it, but to the flip side to that is most, you know, not all women, but most people and men too don't think they're handsome or don't think they're pretty, but people tell them they are. And until you understand that you have that and let that sink into almost your root chakra of yourself, you know, you got to own it. And that's where I'm been at is trying to own who I am, that I have that calm influence, that I do well at tarot readings, that I am a good coach, and I am a good connector, and I'm a good idea generator as well. I It was one of my favorite things about Hollywood and entertainment was picking apart somebody's script and giving them ideas that they didn't think about, and you're like, wow, and I never wanted ownership. I never wanted a co-writer or, or IMDb credit. I just wanted to help and I help by, and I get the connection out of it. I think you're, uh, I think you're very helpful to the community. I, I've seen, um, 
you you usually have very uplifting words for people. Yeah, I, there was a gentleman, and I won't reveal his name, but he was on my, a live last night, and he was he was battling, and I just kept saying in the comments, "I love you, dude. I love you, dude." Just because sometimes we need that, and you got to do that. And what I tell people, I love them. It's not romantic or you know anything like that. It's I love you because you're a human and you have a soul. And you have a gift. Not I don't love you because I want to be to sleep with you. I love you because you're a human, and you have a soul, and you have a gift. And some people misconstrue that, but forgiveness is they don't know what they don't know, and forgiving them, forgiving them for that. True. We all have our own reality. That's for sure. Um. What um, is something that you're grateful for right now? This podcast, this was fun. I wasn't nervous about it, but I, I knew you would. I typically brand my podcast as a conversation, and I love hearing about origin stories. So I gave a little bit of insight to the origin story. So I'm really grateful for that because I go, I can go, go listen to this. You'll learn a little bit about me. Here's, and the beauty of podcasts too is you can listen to them at half speed, regular speed, two, one and a half times, two times, however you want to. You can you can plow through an hour episode in twenty minutes if you really wanted to. That's pretty convenient. Um, it is. It's, it's great attention. for long drives. It's great for long drives, or if you're cleaning the house. I. I listen. I used when I worked at Walmart. I listened to podcasts all the time. That was when I had that moment. Like <gasps> I heard, uh, God, Miley Cyrus on a podcast, and I'm like, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to talk to people. I knew it. I wanted to be the Johnny Carson of podcasts. And I think that um, you're doing pretty well, and. Um, the things that you've accomplished are some really great accomplishments. And the, the attitude that you have is what's definitely going to spring you forward. And I think you know that. Yeah. And my favorite word is onward. I learned that a long time ago in 2009. And I can tell you a story about that too. For crying out loud. But onward is such a good word because really emotionally speaking you when you think you say forward emotionally you might think backward as well subconsciously your subconscious has no antonym for onward for most people so i'm always moving onward it was that's one of the gifts my friend jen gave me the one the pro beach volleyball player that i crashed her couch at one time onward I think that's, I think you have an interesting way of looking at things, for sure. I'm different. We all have a different double helix. And as you said, and I agree, there's not one universe out here. There are 7 billion versions of it. Yes. When you start seeing it that way, it becomes a, a lot more magical. 
I think um, every person that we meet is definitely um, a learning experience and, and a part of us that we are supposed to take in, you know, um, I don't think I've ever met a person that even good, bad, bad ugly, whatever it may be, um, they're all people that I needed to learn from and I needed to have in that moment for something. You know, it's I think it's it's so important for us to have those connections. Everybody's a mirror. Absolutely. I so um what um what is is there anything else that is important that you feel that people need to know about you and your life and um where you've come from and and who you are and um your your spirituality and um everything that has been said all wrapped up i'm just a small town iowa boy trying to make sense of the universe one day one thought at a time which is why i believe every thought matters even the bad ones it does it's it's a beautiful concept for me it is and Well, I, I think they always say you're not a 10 you're they some people think you're an overnight success when you're a success but you're most people are a 10 year success story and I've had this website this thought for 2016 so it's still going and it hasn't really manifested sometimes, to what I want it to be sometimes it takes time to get to a, a place of greatness um, and sometimes you stumble and sometimes it's, uh, you kind of end up morphing it a little bit, you know, um, and that's okay. I agree. And, uh, it sounds like you, I think that's it. Wow. Did I get through all your questions? <laughs> I think you did. I think you made it through everything. Um, all of the hard things that I had to ask you for sure. <laughs> Wonderful. You did pretty I, well. It's just me talking about me. And one beautiful thing I love about my podcast when it's on the other, when I flip it is I learned about myself through learning about others. So I hope that you, by learning about me, helps you learn a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Good. I think um, I've, I've definitely learned some things that I'm going to take with me. That's the whole point. Like I said, I'm trying to pivot and trying to do some things a little bit differently. And even this podcast is going to pivot just a little bit for me. I think it's a, I think it's a grand thing that, you know, you don't get stuck in one thing and, and stagnate that uh, you you want to be able to constantly evolve. That's so, so, so important. I think, um, I think that's where, where people get it wrong often is, is the stagnance. Um, so, so good for you on that. I appreciate it. I appreciate you hosting my podcast for me. This has been absolutely wonderful. Wasn't anything, any question I wasn't, I didn't prepare for it because I just don't, I like to just 
run with it because whatever. But it was fun and it was enlightening for me. Some of those questions I'm going to go back to. I'm going to go back. Absolutely. And what those real answers are and dig deep. Like the embarrassing one bugs me that I don't have one that I would, you know, think about, you know, because that's going to be fun for me to learn about that because when you're embarrassed, you're at your most vulnerable. So that's neat. Absolutely. And uh, I think that it's, it's cool when we, we stop and we think about those things about ourselves. And um, even when we can't find the answers right now, you're, you're going to find them and you'll surprise yourself. Yeah. That's going to be the fun part because, you know, an hour from now, I'll be like, Oh, that's what I should have said. And that'll be cool. Yep. <laughs> and then I'll just message you and like, Oh, that's what I, you know? So, yep. but I, again, I am so grateful for you for doing this and you're a natural at this, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, I appreciate you uh, completely. Um, it was it was definitely enlightening. Wonderful. So on the flip side to that, do you want to give a shout out to where people can find you and anything you want them to know about you being the host of the Every Thought Matters podcast today? Um, I usually go, I, I have um, TikTok. I'm on there as Lisbeth Kali, uh, K-A-L-I. Um, it's all one word. Um, and uh, I think it's Instagram is the same with two eyes. Um, I actually did modeling for a while. So I have some my content from back then. But, um, you know, kind of that pivot thing. Uh, that's that's where I'm at right now is, is I'm yeah. at a pivot point myself. Wonderful. So. Well, maybe once you pivot, you'll come on my podcast and you'll talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, again, I've enjoyed it. I really appreciate you. appreciate you taking the time out of your day because I know you're a busy woman. So you had time to do this and I really appreciate it. Thank you for hosting my podcast. Thank you.